Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Kyle Brandt's Basement, you're looking at it. Thrilled to have you here. Happy day before Thanksgiving, guys. Last show of the week. If you're a college kid coming home from campus to your hometown, happy makeout Christmas. What does that mean? Sounds fun, right? Sounds maybe kind of gross. Mm-mm. It's awesome. I'll talk about it in a little bit. In the meantime, so much to get into today. Zach Wilson has been benched. He's not starting for the Jets, even against the Bears. Uh, all kinds of matchups tomorrow. Guys, tomorrow is a great day of football. Not just because we're at home and fat and stuffed and being able to watch football. The games are actually good. We don't need the butt fumble. We don't need Indomitian Sue stepping on somebody. We have good games. I'm into that. Um, we talk about everything. That's it. Where We have your calls, your phone calls in the segment that we call Say Anything. We said call the answer machine. Leave a message. Talk about anything you want. Have a question. Have a story. Have a good memory. Have a bad memory. Leave it on our answer machine. You did. We'll get to it in a little bit. But next, I guarantee I missed this free throw. Let's go to the Sky Cam. Worked upper body today, boys and girls. That means I can barely flex it. I was working out like 12 minutes ago. Let's just see. One time, baby. Nah. It was not a bad miss. I've had much worse misses than that before, but I knew it was going to, I probably talked myself into it. Who cares? It's a holiday week. It's time to eat. It's time to drink. It's time to talk football. It's time to talk what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Let's go. I just said it. I love the games. You know, um, sometimes the games suck. I don't want to throw any guys into the gutter unnecessarily, but you know some of the people, some of the individuals that we have had on a national holiday to sit on our couch and watch over the last several years? It's not exactly Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady at Al on Thanksgiving. We've watched Scott Tolzien of the Indianapolis Colts. Watched a gentleman named David Blau of, of, I think he was on the Lions. Respect for those guys and everything, but even when they were out there, they were in there as injury replacements. Their teams just sucked. The Lions. I'm so damn proud of the Lions. I'm so proud of the Lions. Do you know this is just the second time? They're on a three-game win streak. It's crazy for them. I mean, it's, it's crazy that they're doing that. They're the Lions. This is the second time that they've had a three-game win streak going into Thanksgiving since the 60s, the 1960s, and it's pretty cool. And Dan Campbell did the perfect thing, which is he just stoked the flames, and he gave this incredible piece of Dan Campbell sound saying that, yeah, man, when we come back there, that place is going to be going crazy because we're on a win streak, man. He says, man, every other sentence. And he's right, that Ford Field's those sweet, sweet, dear people of Detroit have actually something to cheer for. Now, don't lose by 50 to our guy number 17 in the Bills. But uh, it's, I just love that it's actually a game. Imagine if you did the, what we do um, back in the spring when the schedule comes out and you just scan down your finger of your team or your fantasy team or what you think it might be or anything and, and you look at, oh, what's the Thanksgiving Day games? Remember how we thought about these teams in the offseason? Can you imagine when your little pointer finger stopped on the letters B-U-F at D-E-T Buffalo at Detroit on Thanksgiving, you're like, well, that's the worst game of the year. That game's going to suck. It doesn't. Believe me, 
Bills fans, I think you know this. There's some meat on that bone in terms of the, the Lions. Now, huge underdogs. I saw one time it was nine and a half. One time, maybe I saw it was even 10 points. But there's a lot more going into it than just the Bills going to Detroit. The idea that, obviously, it's been a very complicated week for the Buffalo Bills and their players and their coaches and their staff. Two trips to Detroit, although Josh was on here yesterday saying, look, we've done this before. It's not the first time we've had to go back to the same place, the same time. I think if they had lost to Cleveland, Buffalo, I'm talking about last week, when they went to Detroit through the snowstorm, if they had lost to the Browns, and that was their third loss in a row, and they have the stink of going through that whole process of landing in Detroit, driving through beautiful downtown Detroit, getting to Ford Field and losing, and now you have to repeat that, that sucks. That's like you have to have the same nightmare over again. Now, it's positive, it's good, great feel-good story. I understand they left a bunch of equipment there from last week that they don't even have to travel with. Um, they were offered the home sideline last week because it was a de facto home team against Cleveland. They said, no, give us the visitor sideline because we want the same one next week and we want the same locker room. It's pretty cool. In the meantime, Detroit, I, I, I keep saying it again, and I know it's very patronizing that I'm sitting here saying I'm proud of the Lions because they won three games in a row. A lot of teams do. Not this team. His team has a cool coach. They have a quarterback who has started a Super Bowl. They have a defensive superstar. They got cool offensive players. It's fun. They're a real team. And here's something for you. Here's a little Thanksgiving gift for you. Uh, you might be sitting around tomorrow watching the Lions, and you might be wondering yourself, why do the Lions play every single year on Thanksgiving? Why them? Or maybe uh, you'll have a relative or sibling or anybody who asks you, and maybe you're like the football fan of the family, and you might want to know. So I know the reason why. And there's just a quick history lesson. It goes all the way back to 1934. The uh, Detroit Lions used to be called the Portsmouth Spartans. And that franchise in 1934 was located in Portsmouth, Ohio. It's really, you can look it up. Portsmouth Spartans eventually became the Detroit Lions. A group led by a radio station owner called named George Richards had the team, bought the team, and moved it to Detroit. The Portsmouth uh, Spartans moved to Detroit and became the Detroit Lions. So the deal at the time was the Detroit Tigers were huge. They were really popular, and they kind of ran the show in Detroit. And so this guy, George Richards, says, we got to do something to shake things up because I want a little foothold here in the Detroit sports fan base um, awareness. So he was in radio, and he said, we're going to play on Thanksgiving. They were not the first team to play on Thanksgiving. There had been other teams prior, but he said, I'm the radio guy. I'm the radio tycoon. I'm going to make a huge deal, and I'm going to get in bed with NBC Radio, which he did, and we're going to broadcast our game, our brand-new Detroit Lions, to 94 radio stations all across the country. So as far west as the mountains and California, who the hell knows, they're getting a football game that's being played in Detroit, Michigan by this team, the Lions, who are brand new, formed there with a new name. And all of a sudden, everyone became aware of it, and people in Texas or Florida or wherever would be listening to a football game on the radio of a team being played in Detroit. So that became the tradition, and they have done it ever since 1934, with the exception of a few years off for World War II. And that's why, you know, recently, people come out and they say, enough of this. Enough of the, the bleeping lions. I can't watch any more of this. Due respect to Mike McMahon and Charlie Batch and all the... I can't watch the Lions. Why do they deserve this? Who cares about history? It's time to evolve. Why don't we have the Chiefs start a new thing where they play every Thanksgiving? Why don't we have the Steelers? Anybody but the Lions. Cowboys, fine. It kind of works. Detroit, get out of here. You had your run. It's over. They won. 
They, they won three games in a row. They're earning it back, and I'm really happy for them because I am a traditionalist, and I, I am a purist, and I like the Lions playing. I don't care. I like scoring the throwbacks, and I like the Bills in this game. Uh, other than that, Giants-Cowboys. Do you get the feeling, we were talking about this on Good Morning Football this morning, do you get the feeling like the Giants are about to be annihilated by Dallas? Do you? I'll tell you why. One, they have a lot of injuries all of a sudden. Two, Daniel Jones played his worst game of the year last year, and we kind of were waiting for that. Uh, three, Dak Prescott in his last nine starts against the New York Giants is 9-0. and Nine in a row. That's like Rodgers over Bears type things. That's a pure domination. Dak. I mean, Dak's really good, but like he's not exactly like the quarterback god of the league. He's not a Mahomes type. Dak's beaten him nine times in a row and by a lot of points. I think it's like a 13-point per game average. So Dak owns him. And then there's just this sense of the New York Giants, we've kind of been trying to figure them out for almost three months. I'm like, how is this happening? Yeah, they got a cool coach and a good running back, but like really, how are they doing this? Sense that they overachieved. Sense that they're playing above themselves and they are playing better than their roster. And that's awesome. That's probably coaching. But does overachieving come crashing down? And meanwhile, Dallas just destroyed Minnesota last week and they really have their act together. And Pollard is great and Parsons is amazing and Dak is back. There's a sense that in this in the era that Dallas just might win. It could be a 38 to 10 or something like that. But if Dable is the coach that we're making him out to be and that we've been hoping he has been for the last few months, that will not happen. You rally, you galvanize everybody, and you go beat them. Go beat Mike McCarthy. This is hardly some unbeatable giant down there, so to speak. But I like Dallas in that game. And then New England-Minnesota, weirdest game. New England-Minnesota is the late one, which I always appreciate on Thanksgiving. Because by the time kickoff comes around, it's it's a totally different vibe than the Buffalo-Detroit, which is sort of the opening act, de facto opening band for the whole day. By the time the Pats and the Vikings comes on, you're likely stuffed, lethargic, disgusting, self-loathing, intoxicated, uh, any other way of uh, being anesthetized that you're into. Maybe you and your cool cousin who came over with the backpack went for a walk around the block. That happens. If you need to do it, do it. And you sit down and you're like, what is this? Uh, Patriots, Vikings, Mac Jones versus Kirk Cousins. What a weird game. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. Belichick said that during their bye week, they, they had the bye week and then they have Jets and Vikings. He was said he was allocating a lot of his time to preparing for the Vikings instead of the Jets. Belichick hates the Jets. We'll get into that. I have a really hard time picking this game because, as I've said many times on this show, I, I just not even I can't even look at the Vikings right now after they lost forty to three to the Cowboys. What would be the reason that you say they're going to beat a Bill Belichick team who decided to spend most of his bye week preparing for them? I don't know if they lose two in a row at home by thirty-seven to the Cowboys and then to Mac Jones at home, they should probably win this game, right? I actually like the Patriots in a close one. It's great games though. We're actually talking about them. We care. Do you know some of these games we've talked about? Bears, Lions, like just two crappy teams. I wouldn't even waste your time with them. These games actually matter. I'm not just doing it because they're on Thanksgiving. I got other stuff to talk about. That's what I love. Let's get, though, to what I hate. It's kind of the story of the day. Let's go. Robert Sala, after... Benching Zach Wilson in his second season, their first-round draft pick at quarterback in the middle of a very successful season so far. This is the quote that just makes me shake my head, and I kind of chuckle about it. Sala is asked, in the wake of benching Zach Wilson, do you think your quarterback lost the locker room? 
Okay, it's a good question. He says, maybe there's a little irritation at the moment, but I don't think there's hate. <laughs> oh, Bob, who said anything about hate? That's a very st- hate. I just said, do you think they've lost the locker room? It happens in sports. They can't follow him anymore. He's lost his control. He's lost his leadership factor. And Bob's like, they don't hate him. They don't stop saying they hate him. I didn't say that. I just we I, we're talking about locker room dynamics. It was a strange quote because the second part of it about there's hate. I don't think there's hate. Just kind of showed his hand a little bit. And then they said, mm, maybe there's a little irritation at the moment. A little irritation is something when you get athlete's foot and you put tough actin to actin on it. That's that's a very delicate way of saying they're so pissed off at this guy. Uh, how would you guys feel about Zach Wilson right now? How do you feel about your quarterback? You know, I'm a little irritated at him. No, you're not. It's bleep that guy. I can't stand him. He sucks. I'm t- tired of looking at his blue eyes and his dumb dimples. He can't handle the media. And he's killing us right now. Bench him, coach. Okay, they did. And they should have. Of course they should have. This is not a rookie. This is not someone who's had no help, who's had no support, who has no one around him, who you look at and you're like, well, he doesn't have a shot. There's no Justin Fields factor, even with Zach Wilson, about how he's obviously very talented and obviously under-supported, and there's this hope that it's coming soon someday and a hope and a prayer. No, he's got guys all around him, Zach Wilson, and he's showing nothing. You bench him. You guys are good. If the Jets right now had two wins, screw it. You draft him in the first round, ride this thing out, see if he gets better. They've got to go to the playoffs this year. They're into this thing. This team beat the Bills. Straight up. He was playing quarterback when they beat the Bills. You got to fix it. You can't just blow this whole season because we got to stick with Zach. No, 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 no. They, they, they should do this. They have done this. I expected that they would when he came out earlier in the week, Salah, and wouldn't announce him as the starter. If you're not going to announce Zach Wilson as the starter, I don't think you're starting him. You might as well give him the vote of confidence if you want to stick with him. They don't. And how about this? They do it before they play the Bears, whose defense is supple. The Bears defense, not stopping a lot of people, it put it on a platter for you to have a really big day. So if they really believed in Wilson, you might step back and be like, all right, I know the sky's falling right now, but damn, we got Chicago. Let's have a redemption week. Everything we're seeing and studying on a film says that we really think we could set up Zach for success and maybe put up some numbers, throw a couple touchdown passes, and then we just get past this whole miserable Thanksgiving week and move on. No, they said screw it, sit him. And I like that they did. The guy's shown nothing. Do you know, have you seen the numbers? I don't like to throw the word bust around that much because I think it's really a misused word for prospects and quarterbacks that come into the league. I think it is unfairly used on players who are injured. I, I, Kijana Carter, way back in the day, 30 years ago, people call him a bust. I disagree. He, his knee exploded on an AstroTurf field really, really early in his career. Guys who get hurt, I think is, it's stupid. Don't call them bust. It's just they had bad injury luck, and they tried to fight through it. They couldn't. Busts, to me, are guys who didn't play well because they didn't have the work ethic. They didn't have the leadership qualities. They just didn't have the chops, or they didn't put in, or they held out a training camp. Like, Jamarcus Russell, that's a bust to me. To me. And I know that he's come out recently. He wrote this whole piece explaining his side of it. I thought it was pretty interesting, but... Jamarcus Russell held out the entire training camp of his rookie year, didn't didn't show for anything. Then he shows up and just it's just a disaster. And he's looked at it's just like it just never worked. This incredible talent never worked. Jamarcus Russell had better numbers through this point in his career than Zach Wilson. Just line them up side by side. I think CBS did it. 
It's the completion percentage, the touchdowns, the interceptions. Like, Jamarcus has been better than Zach Wilson. Jamarcus, with far inferior support around him, with a lesser coach, with lesser receivers, with a lesser everything, and he still couldn't do it. So, yeah, you sit Zach Wilson. And immediately it's, all right, so we're done with him, right? It's tricky because, man, I know they're playing the Bears, but there's also this factor of the media and the internet that is wildly overestimating the talents of Mike White, who's going to start, and Joe Flacco. They think they're going to come in and they're going to turn into Joe Montana. We've seen a lot of these guys. They're not great. They're probably not going to be great, maybe even in the Bears. So a couple things happen. Let's say Mike White starts against the Bears and is bad. Throws two picks and he fumbles. Maybe the Jets eke out a win or maybe they lose. Well, then what do you do? You're back to Wilson or now it's Flacco's turn? It's just messy. It's messy. But I think the messiest thing is sitting there and just letting the season die because Zach Wilson is giving you nothing and showing you nothing. Another question. If Zach Wilson answers the question after the game, if he is asked, do you feel like you let the defense down? And instead of saying no and walking off, if he says, I feel like I let everyone down, if I don't play up to my best ability, I let the organization down, the defense, the special teams, my offense, my coaches, it's my job. And anytime I don't play to my potential, yes, I feel like I let everyone down. Thank you for your question. Walk off. If he says that, is he starting this weekend? Is he? Probably. His play has been so bad. And I would mention purely based on, on the play. But the bleep storm that it cooked up and the reaction from the teammates that we've covered a lot this week, I think Salah had no choice. Because I, I think the team would have lost it if he started again. That's crazy, right? You know what's even crazier? If he's done, if Zach, they honestly think that they may they move on from Zach Wilson, depending on what happens the rest of the year. I've talked to Jets fans, friends, who are already like, so Derek Carr's our quarterback next year, right? <laughs> Whoa, hold on a second. You gotta finish this thing out. The names are already out there. This is the names I've seen. And I don't mean like from league circles. I don't really talk like that. I'm just like people that I text with and things. Derek Carr, who knows, maybe. Raiders season disaster. I've seen Aaron Rodgers, which just no. No, 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 no. I, I'm not saying Rodgers wouldn't play with another team next year. I just, I do not see him. He's not a New York guy at all, in my opinion. Not a Manhattan guy, not a New Jersey guy. I think he loves Salah and I think he loves Mike LaFleur and that's fine. I don't I see Aaron Rodgers on the Jets next year. and I, I just don't think so. Um, I saw Lamar Jackson. I don't think the Ravens are letting him go. He's not under contract and he could walk, but you don't know what's going to happen with Lamar. Lamar could go to the AFC title game. Like Lamar could go to the Super Bowl this year. Not letting him go. I saw Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe Jimmy might win the Super Bowl this year. Have you seen the Niners? Like they're a juggernaut. They might win the Super Bowl and then they're going to let him walk so he can go play for the Jets. I don't know. It's awesome though. Um, I think they should have benched him based purely on his play alone. But they could be on the fence of that. Then the media stuff and the reaction from the teammates just kicked them right off the fence. They made the right decision. I don't care how Mike White plays. You can't keep playing with Zach Wilson. You lose the team. He's ruining the season. I like what Robert Sala does. I support Robert Sala across the board. This was the right call. Let's get to what's hilarious because it's a fun one. This is great. Tonight is one of my favorite nights of the year. Not for me personally, not anymore. I'm past the age that I admire this night for, but there was a time. There was a time for all of us. And I think of Dan Campbell, who I mentioned, talked about how excited 
the Detroit Lions fans are going to be to welcome their team home to Ford Field on a three-game winning streak. They haven't seen them in a little bit. But there's another team that's returning home tonight that I think has an incredible home field advantage as well and is going to get a great reaction, and I'm really rooting for. And I'm talking to the college kids right now who are returning home today. They're driving right now. They're on a plane right now. They're on a bus right now, whatever it may be. There'll be a Thanksgiving tomorrow, but you better believe tonight, Wednesday night, or the night before Thanksgiving, they will be at their hometown bar just on the bleeping prowl. It's a great night as a young person. You're, who knows, 19 with a fake, 21, 22. You go back to that hometown bar, you see your boys or you see your girls, you see your friends, and then you just start looking. And you just start looking for an old flame from high school. Maybe someone you wish had been an old flame from high school who now you've always wanted to. And maybe she always wanted to. Maybe you're with someone. Maybe you weren't. And you know what? Maybe they look great. Maybe they don't look as good. Maybe that's good. It doesn't matter. There's an energy in that bar. And I'm always so excited for those kids. And I always say, go get them. Lock and load, tiger. This, this, this is your night. It's make-out Christmas. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Tonight's make-out Christmas. It is a great, great night where there is a distinct kind of energy. You go home. You go and maybe it's your childhood room and your parents. And maybe you brought laundry or whatever. And you start eating all the food that your mom got for you. And then you say, all right, I'm going out. And you go out to the bar. For me, uh, it was a place in Lincolnshire, Illinois, where I went to high school, and it was a place called Flatlanders. I don't think it exists anymore. It's been a long time. But I would come back, and like you'd go there, and it was just, I don't know, just this, this young, horny energy. Let's put it that way. The guys have it. The girls have it. And there's a funny thing where, like, I mentioned the fake IDs. I, I, I know it's against the law and everything, but it is also part of being an American teenager. And um, my friends and I, at one point, had fake IDs that were just the crappiest pieces of junk you've ever seen. And there was two ways to go about it back in the day. Today, I don't know what the hell the industry is like, but you could go with the like a real driver's license that maybe you get from like an older fraternity brother or you know they give you their expired license or they just give you a license. So you use it, it's not your picture, but it's a real license and it's someone else's picture and may, hopefully they have brown hair and are roughly your height and you can go with that. Or you just go with like the straight up Fugazi, the fake, where it is your picture and somebody on their dumbass computer in the late 90s or whatever it was was trying to make you a fake ID for 50 bucks. We went with the second option, we had a maid. And so with that, I probably should have just gone with my real name because when you go with the real name, then if you know, if you wonder if the bouncer is going to ask you for a second form, and then you show them whatever your school ID or a credit card or anything it has your name on it. But we were so excited to get our fake IDs, so we wanted to pick um, fake names. <laughs> so um, my name was Joel Fenster. Joel Fenster, and Joel was just the name that I liked when I was young, no reason. But Fenster, and that rings a bell for you. Remember, this was the late 90s, and my friends and I were obsessed with the movie The Usual Suspects. And Fenster um, is the Benicio Del Toro character who, like, talks kind of crazy and has this weird affect, and he's just really, like, amazing performance in a really, like, seminal 90s movie. So I was Joel Fenster, 
And just because I love Fenster and I love Joel, and it's this stupid picture of me smiling. It's my height and my fake birthday. And then my buddy, he was Eric McManus. Eric was just a name that he liked, and McManus was another character uh, from from uh, Usual Suspects. I haven't seen Suspects in a while. I think McManus is the, uh, I think it's the Stephen Baldwin character. Um, but anyway, that was, so we would show up to Flatlanders with Joel Fenster and Eric McManus. And then you go in, and it's just, you get, you, oh my God, we got in, and we can order a, you know, a, a fuzzy navel or buttery nipple or whatever the stupid drink you would drink when you're in bars like that. So, listen, this is 20, almost 25 years ago. But to you folk tonight, whatever you're doing, uh, do it safely and do it respectfully. But do it with gusto, too. There's not a lot of nights like this. New Year's Eve is a disaster. Halloween is a bleep show. The night before Thanksgiving is a classy night where, you know, tomorrow is, is family, but tonight's about it's just getting after it. If, if you're 19, if you're 21, I wish you luck. I wish you well, and again, lock and load, Tigers. Make out Christmas. Make it your own. Enjoy the bars. Be safe. Really happy for you guys. Really happy. It makes a smile to my face, as you can tell. All right, we got to move on, though. Um, it's time for Say Anything. And hold on. I've been told Say Anything is when you guys call us and leave a message just about anything you want, and I'll react to it. But I've been told, here we go, that we have a very cool, very fancy uh, intro, in- intro bump segment deal animation for say anything so guys without further ado check this out it's time for say anything starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster between all the bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business which can really throw you for a loop luckily with quickbooks you can manage your business with confidence from the start so no matter how bumpy the ride gets you can always stay on track new business no problem success starts with intuit quickbooks Learn more at quickbooks.com. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this, this is the best. So not only do we have the Lloyd Dobler <laughs> trench coat, the sleeves are rolled up. Why are the sleeves rolled up on John Cusack's trench coat in that? The Gordon Gecko phone. It's not a boombox, it's the phone. Um, the Rubik's Cube shirt. <laughs> Again, extra steps. And if you want extra steps, it appears to be, I think this is a, um, a Fiero, which was a car back in the day, which is like an orange on yellow Fiero. And then look at this. Kyle. It has my name on the license plate. <laughs> Uh, that was really well done. Thank you. I appreciate you. Almost like a sort of Peter Gabriel vibe in the music. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just hoping for it. But it's not about me enough. Let's move on. It's about you guys because we have an answering machine here with all those little tapes in it. And we don't say, call us with your thoughts about the Bills or th- thoughts about the Bengals or your thoughts about uh, anything. We just give you a loose topic today, which normally we don't at all. But since it's Thanksgiving, we said, call us and say anything about Thanksgiving, and I'll listen to this. I've not heard these. I understand there were many messages. The intrepid staff here and Michael Flynn picked them, so I'm going to hear them with you for the first time. First up, gentleman from the state of Pennsylvania, not too far from here. His name is Caleb, and this is what he chose to say as the first caller and say anything. What's up, Kyle? This is uh, Caleb from uh, Pennsylvania, diehard Bears fan. Here's what I got for you, man. 
Uh, ham has absolutely no role in Thanksgiving. It does not deserve to be part of the of the dish uh, group. It really has no role whatsoever. Ham is Easter, and if you want to make me a Thanksgiving ham, I'm gonna walk out of your dinner right then and there. I don't care, Grandma. Like, no, it's not happening. All right, that's a good take, Caleb. I like this. I think this gets right to the core of what a lot of people are talking about. Have you noticed this, that there is a massive, massive movement right now uh, against Turkey? And I can't say I disagree with it. Um, and a lot of times the people who are anti-Turkey are pro-ham. And that brings it into my household. Uh, my wife has been pushing ham a lot lately for Thanksgiving. We already do it for Christmas. And then Caleb was saying it's traditionally for Easter. Here's the deal. The turkey thing... Um, a, it, it's, it's, it doesn't taste that great. I mean, if you cook it perfectly and it's heavily salted and heavily gravied, sure. But it's just not that great. And the problem is, is, is juice worth the squeeze? Because the squeeze is substantial. It is very difficult to cook, let alone cook properly, let alone cook perfectly, which you kind of have to. It's hours of work, it's prep, it's gizzards, it's hearts, it's stuffing, it's a little sewing kit, it's rubbing butter, it's rubbing salt. I've cooked a proper Thanksgiving turkey before. It's a lot of work. And you're like, for what? When I make chili or when I smoke a brisket for 57 hours, at the end of it, I'm like, oh, Jesus, this brisket is really good as it melts in my mouth. And the turkey, I'm like, Ugh. Can I just have the mashed potatoes? And I worked on this my whole day. It, it's it's a lot. So I understand it, and I'm, I'm part of it. Um, my friend Jimmy Trana, who's cameoed on The Basement before and who writes for Sports Illustrated, he's over the turkey move, anti-turkey movement. He says, listen, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing. I'm not saying it's delicious. I'm just saying it's Thanksgiving. You have a turkey. That's it. You know, on Christmas, you do a stupid tree, okay, in the corner. And, and, and you might not like the tree, and it may be a pain in the ass and too expensive and leaves a mess, but it is what Christmas is. You're not making a turkey 364 days a year, but one day a year, you make a turkey, and that's just what you do, and stop trying to defy tradition. And I like Jimmy, and he's, he comes hard for that one. But I also think there's something to, um, you know, there's there's an aroma that emits throughout the household, there's a, a, an eye candy of seeing the turkey, basting the turkey. But in the end, it really is kind of crap. You know, I, I look at it a lot like the lions, in fact. The lions are just something we have every single year merely out of tradition, but no one likes and suck. Um, but yet, the lions are kind of good this year. Maybe the turkey will be too. The problem is, dude, Caleb, I got to move on to the next call. The ham tastes so good. It tastes delicious. It's so it's so salty. It's so porky. It's so hammy. It's it's just so good. I, it's hard to, to beat ham. It's hard to beat Paul from Ontario. Follow that call, Paul. Here's our next caller in Say Anything Thanksgiving edition. Hello, Kyle. It's uh, Paul calling from Ontario, Canada. I was just calling to ask a favor. Uh, I really don't like it yeah. when a Canadian and American holidays don't line up. Uh, your Thanksgiving, the fourth Thursday in November, it's crazy. Uh -huh. It's way too late in the year. It's too close to Christmas. You got to see in-laws twice in a month. It's bananas. I'm imploring you to start a movement down there. Join us. It's the first Monday in October. It's great. It's earlier in the season. The leaves are starting to change. But you got more than two months before you got to see these people again at Christmas. I think it'd be a good idea. We can line up our football schedules. 
anything you could do to help, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Paul, I'm sure there's so much I can do to help to have Thanksgiving moved in the United States to October. Look, you got my attention. There, there is, there's a traffic jam at the end of the year of holidays, which is why this season is just known as the holidays. Because don't forget, like, especially when you have kids, you're also doing end of October is Halloween, end of November is Thanksgiving, end of December is Christmas, and then this screeching in New Year's thing that comes afterwards. And then you're up 26 pounds and down $20,000 and you're just like exhausted. It's an interesting deal. I, I, I wish I knew um, social studies well enough from eighth grade to tell you exactly why Thanksgiving is in late November. Maybe Michael Flynn can tell us when we get to the brand awareness segment. What is the reason for having it be um, in late November? The other thing that's weird about Thanksgiving, it's not a date. It's not October 31st like Halloween or December 21st like Christmas. It's that weird floating thing where it's always the Thursday. It's not like Thanksgiving is, oh, Thanksgiving, November 25th. No, it sits there on that Thursday. I do like it on a Thursday, though, because then it doesn't screw you. Like um, when Christmas like lands on a Sunday and then like certain people have to work uh, like on a Monday. Um, I like that Thanksgiving, no matter where it lands, will always buy most jobs, not mine, uh, a long weekend. So I'm into that. As far as moving it to October, if I could wave a magic wand, would I want to make Thanksgiving in October? No, I, I can't get there. The other thing I can't get there with, Paul, and I understand you're kind of going with like a sitcom level eye roll about seeing family and in-laws. I hate to put this out there and maybe it just makes me like a, a, a total twerp, but kind of like seeing my family. <laughs> Don't don't kill me, but you know I, I don't I don't have a lot of family around me here. So when I get to see my sister who lives in Chicago, or my mom who lives in Chicago, or my dad and my siblings who live in California, I'm not like a oh, great, a great again. I gotta see my loved ones. <laughs> kind of like it. I, I'll, I'll get even spicier. I enjoy being around my kids. I'll play the ultimate Trump. I love my in-laws, my mother-in-law and my father. I love them so. I don't need to move it. I, I'm fine. Like, I like it. Um, and also, if you're, I don't know if you're a married man, Paul, but like a lot of times what you can do can help in that is like you allocate one holiday being Thanksgiving. Maybe that goes to uh, your parents and your uh, sisters or brothers or whatever. And then at Christmas time or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate in December, maybe you could allocate that to your spouse's family. So like you actually don't see everybody twice. Unless you're a real mad scientist and you get both of them together and we don't really do that. But I can't move it. I kind of like it how it is. October's spooky month. Yeah, November's turkey month. December is Santa Claus month. It's, it's just, it works. It's how we do it here. I'm sorry. I, I, I respect the, uh, the idea, but I, I kind of like it how it is. I like it. Uh, lastly, these are great. They're always great. Every time we do say anything, you guys have things to say. Even if, I don't have to agree with them. That's not the point. I just like the, the opinion. Scranton, Pennsylvania, one of the great uh, paper cities. Let's see uh, what Nigel has to say. Remember, you could say anything he wants in the whole world about Thanksgiving. He decided to say this. Let's go. Hi, uh, this is Nigel calling from Scranton. Uh, but I came here to the U.S. five years ago from Ireland. Anyway, okay. for the past five years, I've been spending Thanksgiving with my American wife's family. And every year, 
they make us go around the table saying what we're thankful for. And every year, uh-huh. I say the same damn thing. I'm thankful I'm Irish and didn't have to do this. I'm thankful every year growing up. The wife tells me I better not say it again this year. But I think I have to, no? What do you think? <laughs> All right. Happy Thanksgiving <laughs> and a happy new year, I guess, or what, whatever. Uh, ah, bloody hell. <laughs> Nigel, I want to kind of party with you, man. Can we have some pints? Can we have some Jameson? What it, so I'm thankful I'm from Ireland and I have to do this grateful bleep every single week. And I like that his wife says, now, honey, don't say that same line again. <laughs> and they work around the table and, you know, it's the kids and the grandparents and the grandparents are always get all misty eyes. I'm just, I'm thankful for that I have my health and I have this beautiful family and it's nice sentiments. And then it, I picture Nigel's wife probably sitting right next to him, probably going right before him. I'm just so thankful that we can be a family together and that we have so much love in this room. And really that's what Thanksgiving is all about, is loving your family and passing that love on to the younger generation. It's really a beautiful thing. Honey, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful I'm Irish and I have to do this thankful bleep every single year. I love that, man. Nigel, do it, scream it, do it again tonight. (laughs) Sorry, your wife probably hates it, but if you do it as much as you say you do, believe me, there is a sleeper cell at that table who loves that you do it, whether or not they'll admit it at all. Young people maybe, old people, certainly this person. I love it. I wish you sent video of you doing it. I'm I'm way into it. Um, Bloody hell, whatever you said. Nigel from Scranton. Imagine going from Ireland to Scranton, PA. Is there a decent pub? No respect, disrespect to Scranton. I've never been there other than, you know, on Instagram every two seconds, you know, whatever Dwight's talking about, but I don't know it. But I want to party with Nigel. Nigel's a great call. Keep it real tonight, Nigel. It's like I said to those college kids coming home. I respect you. Do your thing. Don't bow down and say some nonsense about you're thankful for this food and you can be together as a family. Let everybody else say that. By the way, we do the thankful thing in my family. And I always go last and I always say I'm thankful for my wife. And it's a nice tradition, but I'm a huge cornball. I don't keep it real. Well, I am real, but I don't go rock star like Nigel. Nigel, appreciate the call. That was Say Anything, undefeated segment in my opinion. Here's what I say next. We go back to the world of professional and amateur sports with Michael Flynn, and we'll see how good he is on the Google, because about, I don't know, seven or eight minutes ago, I called him out and said, will he be able to tell us why Thanksgiving is on November? Let's go to Brent Awareness Roll It. All right, Flynn, start talking, buddy. How you, what are you, in the sauna right now? You, where, where are you? What is that? <laughs> uh, I am in my basement, actually, uh, getting further. Oh. The kids are home today, so getting further and further from the danger zone and just hiding as far away as I can. Smart. You're basically yeah. in the bunker. But uh, give us the details that we crave right now. Go. go. What do you got? Did you find anything? So there doesn't seem to be a specific reason he picked November, oh. but September, September 28th, 1789, uh, the first federal congress asked george washington to recommend a night na- to the nation a day of thanksgiving and a few days later he said let's do thursday november 26th it used to always be the last thursday in november which i think sometimes uh-huh. it still is but yeah. uh apparently presidents not you kyle or the people who can move these things uh fdr moved it 
the week earlier to the third Thursday in November, following pressure from the National Retail Dry Goods Association because they wanted the holiday shopping season to last longer. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's good stuff. I didn't know it went back to that. I picture and it's just making pilgrim hats out of black cardboard paper and all that. But no, I don't have any influence to move anything. If I did, I would move the Super Bowl to a Saturday so that we would have a day of rest after drinking and eating chicken wings with uh, impunity. I talked to Roger Goodell about that once, and I'm not joking. And I said, is there any way you would ever do it? And he said, ah, yeah, who is this ass? Like, he didn't, he didn't like it. I think that there's, like, millions more people who would watch the Super Bowl on Sunday than Saturday. So that ain't moving. You just have to deal with the hangover. But before we get started on tomorrow's hangover, Flynn, which I definitely will, what is in the headlines that maybe I'm not aware of? Let's go. First up, uh, Jets have had quite a week already, but you can always leave yeah. it to Bill Belichick to pile on the team he almost coached. You mentioned it before. Yesterday he admitted that he used a chunk of the bye week two weeks ago to prepare for the Vikings, who they played tomorrow night. Didn't think he needed that study time to prepare for the Jets, who they beat on Sunday. Kyle, you think Bill knew that that was going to be perceived as a slight at the Jets? Yes, 100%. Like there, He, he is um, closed off to the media with very few exceptions, one of them is the Jets. He hates the Jets. My 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 brother in the morning, Jason McCourty, will straight up just tell us. Jason McCourty won a Super Bowl with Belichick like a few years ago. He's like, everybody there, including Bill, hates the Jets. It's different. It's like they there's there's 30 teams that the Patriots are like, yeah, they're great. And then there's one that they're like, I hate them. And they do hate them. And you imagine Belichick just putting skins on the wall this morning? Because let's think about this. Belichick... As we covered thoroughly yesterday, yesterday was the 10th anniversary of the uh, butt fumble. Belichick and his Patriots effectively ended Mark Sanchez, butt fumble gone. Belichick and his Patriots effectively ended Sam Darnold. I feel like I'm seeing ghosts out there. You're gone. And now <laughs> Belichick and his t- Patriots, I think, just ended Zach Wilson with a punt return. And uh, no, I don't feel like I lift down the defense. That's three. Remember when like Ned Stark got his head cut off and they just put that thing on a spike? Joffrey Lannister, I think Belichick has three Jets heads, quarter, quarterbacks heads on a spike. Um, so I think he's loving life. I think that for him saying like, yeah, I basically spent most of my time. Getting, you spent most of your time getting ready for Kirk Cousins, Bill? Like, I love Kirk, but like, it's, it's again, it's not like you're playing the Chiefs. It's the Vikings. And you spent, he goes, you would never say, well, yeah, we're in a bye. And I just, this, Bill's thing that he does, Belichick, is that he will take the crappiest team of all time and do a 37-minute filibuster about how they're the 85 Bears and 92 Cowboys and 78 Steelers. He actually did it for the Bears this year. And he went on and on about how good they are. Now, they ended up losing, but he does that for everybody. So for this week to say, to just deliberately say, oh, I had this whole week of prep, that was great. But yeah, I spent, you know, I spent it uh, on the Vikings because the Jets, you know, it's, it's, it's so great. And I like that Bill does that. It's a human thing to hate certain teams. And he hates the Jets. So, yeah, I think that's how that went, Flynn. Yeah, it's it's admirable how easy he makes it look. Like, Jets uh-huh. have played them twice. You think <laughs> Belichick's in the rearview mirror and then just one parting shot at the end to Goodbye. put Zach in the ground. Uh, up next, Benjamin Watson retired from the NFL three years ago. Uh-huh. The former tight end now finds himself working as an analyst for the SEC Network. That's where things got awkward this past weekend with his colleague Peter Burns. Take a listen. 
By the way, did you not get the memo on the suits? We all went dark today. You were, you're like Easter yeah, service. Y'all kind of leave me out. Oh, man. As long as I get the text from my wife that says I look good. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so send me the text, babe. Send me the text. <laughs> it's not the one she sent me. I was just Welcome back to the Farm Rich Halftime Report. Uh, just you and I here, Taki. I'm not sure what happened to uh, Peter Burns. Or oh. did you uh, did you have him keep your wife's name out of his mouth? Huh? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We'll, we'll see how Peter Burns is uh, with that smart mouth <laughs> in the second half. But uh... all right, wow. Have you seen that? Oh my gosh. I have. That, that really hits me in so many different ways. If you followed it, you know, this Ben Watson, this great old NFL player, and he just says innocently, as they're kind of busting the chops about his suit, a little bit, that's what you do in those shows. Honey, text me, as long as I get the text from my wife, I feel good. And then out of nowhere comes the, that's not what she texted me. <laughs> Basically like, oh, I'm having an affair with your wife. So she texts, that's what, is basically what the joke is. And then the fact that they come back from commercial with the empty chairs, if this is a real thing, and I think it is, God, that is so sloppy because that tells me they had probably a three minute commercial break and many people were probably like, where are they, where are they, we're coming back, 10 seconds, five seconds, get in your chairs, get in your chairs. and. Burns doesn't make it back, and then Watson walks in with his jacket on, putting his jacket on, and when I first saw it, and his tie is kind of askew, I was like, did he just beat the crap out of that guy? Like, is this like, I'm gonna take my jacket off so we can, so we can fight? Um, wild. And I don't know if people are still jumping Burns about it. I don't know him, I've never met him. I have no, I have no crossover with him at all. I've interviewed Ben Watson a few times. I think he's a, um, look, a man of faith, but you don't have to be to take offense to that. There was one time, and I, I relate to that because it's four people sitting at a table and it's loose and they're making jokes and they're busting chops. And I get that. That's what I do every morning for three hours. So I, I do all kinds of Schrager. I'm always busting him up and Jason and Nate Burleson. Like we just, that's, we go after each other. But like, you, you don't like say that your wife is texting me. Even if you're best friends, that's a weird thing to say. Even if you were to do like, oh, it's I, I saw your mom last night. That's like crass and dumb, but like it, it's even lesser than your wife is texting me. Um, but I don't, look, I don't cast stones at, at Burns. Like I would not do that because I know that things get loose and you try to take shots and you're trying to make a show funny and you're trying to create a chemistry that is likely not there. So you just get loose. I mean, you watch me on the show. I see all kinds of stuff. There was one time years and years ago that I was in an open conversation with a guy I was working with at the time and I was teasing him about a bachelor party that he had gone to and it was... And I was insinuating that he did this and this, and he didn't, but like, I was just trying to tease him just because it's, you're trying to make something entertaining or funny or relatable. And I was going on this really lame sophomoric thing about, oh, what were you up to this week? And I just kind of wouldn't leave it alone. And it didn't become a thing like this because I didn't take it that far. But then at the commercial, the guy was like, you got to chill on that. What, what are you doing? Like, stop it. That's not funny. And like, don't do that again. And I said, dude, I'm so sorry. I, I it just got away from me. And I'm, you know me, I'm trying to just get us going and rev up the energy a little bit. And that's kind of my job on the show. I'm the energy starter. And 
you're right, it was really bad. And I was just trying to tease you. And he's like, yeah, all right. So then we, we buried it and everything. But I, I, it happens. And you can't go with the wife thing. So look, I wouldn't, the last thing I would do is ever sit here and skewer him for doing that. But I totally get what Watson was coming from. And I, I appreciate his response. Um, that's really great cringe theater. It's not just that the thing happened and it was weird. It was, it was the two seats that really sold it. And then the host straight up says, brings it right back. You're keeping your wife's name out of your mouth? Like, he's trying to get it going. And, and Watson goes, huh? Like, God, that's awkward. Flynn, you've worked as in a lot of production for a different lot of TV shows, live and otherwise. What was your take on that? Have you ever seen anything like it? My take was exactly what you were saying. I relate to the producer and think, okay, you have a pretty long break. Hopefully this yeah. isn't isn't as bad as you think it's going to be. And then clearly when it was, you think that in that three minutes or so you can like hammer things out and be good. Then it's clear that they're not going to be on set. So you're like, okay, just stay off because a half, it's a halftime show. And halftime, whether it's football, yeah. whether it's basketball, that last break is usually like 15 seconds and then you're tossing back. So, 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 you, so you think, okay. Okay, we can just do something quick here. And then in those 15 seconds, Watson walks back onto the set and then your host asks him about it. And that's where you throw your arms up. You're like, no, why would you yeah. do that? It, it, it's, yeah. it's chaos. It, it was the worst possible scenario. And I'll, I'll take the production thing farther. This is real inside baseball, but like, all right, so, and stay with me, Flynn. Um, when you know that you're at a commercial break, however short it may be, and the two guys walk off, you don't, it's not just that they walked out to go to the bathroom or get coffee, like, they, there might be an altercation, you might need security, you might need, it just, all hell could be breaking loose. And then, meanwhile, though, you have to present the TV show live when you come back from break, so what they do in that situation is they're like, are we getting them, are they coming back, and they can pivot, like, let's say it's a, it's a show that has chairs instead of a desk, you'll be like... Strike two of the chairs, take two of the chairs off, and then it'll be just two people sitting there. They clearly didn't have time for that. So it's not just that, that they're not there when you come back. As a producer, you see those weird empty chairs and you want to pull your hair out because that's not how you do TV. You can't have the empty chairs missing and then no explanation. Like it was just a, an absolute car accident of live TV from a, someone in the booth perspective. That's why I really sympathize with those people. Yeah, and you're already, your mind and the voices in your headset are pulling you in a million different directions, but since you're also <laughs> tossing back to a game, you're also talking to a truck in Georgia, wherever it is, that has no idea yeah. what's going on, oh and, and just needs the game back. It's bad. Yeah. Um, but I, We could keep going on that. That is an amazing piece of video. I don't need to sit here and lecture the dude about, you know, make jokes about someone's wife. He, he knows that's not my business. I just, I just wanted the theater of watching it, and I get where everybody's coming from, especially the production staff. What else do we have? It's time to start Thanksgiving. We got more stuff? Yeah, we have one more thing. And speaking of producing, okay. this comes straight from the school of lazy producing by me. The LA Times released their power rankings of 20 Thanksgiving foods. Number one is stuffing. Number two is mashed potatoes and gravy. And a number 20 last is turkey, which, as you said earlier, isn't as hot a take as people think. Uh, mm -hmm. What's going to be on your plate on Thanksgiving? First of all, I don't think it's lazy producing by you. I think it's lazy producing by the LA Times. What should we do this week? I don't know. Let's just rank the foods again. Is there anything more apathetic than this? Just throw it up there. People will be pissed. People will tweet. People will talk about it in their basements. Um, listen, 
I don't have the energy to go through this and dissect it. I'll just only have a certain... My only comment would be the stuffing at one. Stuffing is also an emotionally charged thing. One, because people some people call it dressing, which I don't, but I call it stuffing. There's two different deals on this. Good old-fashioned stuffing is bread and seasoning and things that is stuffed into the bleeping orifice of the turkey, and it's in there, in the cavity. And maybe the reason the turkey tastes like crap is that, like, the flavor and the, the juices, and this gets gross, goes down into the stuffing. And then you take it out, and it's this mossy mess of wet bread that you scoop out. Sometimes I've seen it with an ice cream scooper with one of those little, whoosh, like, windshield wiper things. You go, whoosh. That's stuffing. It's wet bread with seasoning, and then some people go crazy and put sausage and stuff. That's stuffing. Then there's the stovetop thing, which comes out of a box and you make on the top of your stove, but it's like people aren't putting that inside the innards of the turkey where the, from whence the gizzard and all that crap came. That's a different deal. So if you're still doing the real stuffing, which I understand comes with the salmonella risk and everything, like you're an old school Thanksgiving person. And if you think that's the best thing on the Thanksgiving table, God bless you, I guess. I'm looking at the words broccoli gratin, which is not a thing. I'm just going to assume that as a typo. There's no broccoli gratin, and don't tweet me and tell me there is. There's potatoes, ow, and there's broccoli, broccoli gratin. Flint, the stuffing thing is, is outrageous. Um, I, I can't have the time or energy or patience or respect to go through this entire list and misrank them. Uh, I will just end with this. What is the, uh, I'll ask, I asked Josh Allen the same thing yesterday. He said the gravy and the mashed potatoes. What's your number one thing that's got to be on your plate tomorrow? Go ahead. The, it's, it's nothing exciting. I'm not a huge Thanksgiving Fine. food person. I'm a, more of a Thanksgiving yeah. drink and watch football person. So my plate probably just looks like turkey, which I don't love, mashed potatoes, some, gr- some green beans, and a roll. That's it. Not a stuffing person, not a cranberry sauce person. That's it. Classic plate, there's nothing wrong, nothing to apologize about. Classic plate, classic production. Um, Michael Flynn from the sauna that he has in his basement. He's going to go put some water on the hot rocks and get a nice sweat. Dude, uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. I appreciate you. I will talk to you Sunday night for our next Kyle Brandt's Basement show. I'm going to uh, go ahead and do the end of the show, but I appreciate you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the Flynn's. Happy Thanksgiving to the Brandt's. There he goes. Uh, normally I throw a dart, but I'm just going to take this one. I, I'm not even going to do a random topic. I'm going to uh, pose the same question to myself that I just posed to Flynn. Let's go to the sky cam and we'll get us out of here. Um, I asked Flynn what's got to be on his plate. And then as I was asking him, I was thinking, well, I should probably have an answer for that too. Because, you know, I, I should be prepared to answer the questions that I ask. So what is the thing that I have to have on my plate? And I, I think the answer to me is... Um, it's actually cranberry sauce, which is what I call it, or cranberries or whatever. And it's I do enjoy the taste of them, in a sense, if you put enough cinnamon and sugar on it and all that. But I think what I enjoy about cranberries is that um, I have a bite of cranberry in my mouth one day out of the year. I, it's probably five or six little bites, and all of those bites come on Thanksgiving, and they have for my entire life. I don't think I have ever had a bite of cranberries in February, July, December, or even the day before Thanksgiving. And I don't really do the leftovers thing much, so it's just only Thanksgiving. Mashed potatoes I'll have many other times a year here and there. You know, turkey, have a turkey sandwich, do whatever. Turkey burger. 
even a lot of those things, sweet potatoes, dinner rolls, you name it, all kinds of booze, green beans. You have all of the things in a classic Thanksgiving spread a few times or even several times, many times throughout the year. I don't have cranberries any day other than Thanksgiving. It is a pure, true, homegrown Thanksgiving talent. It is a, it is a one, organization, one organization athlete. It's Larry Fitzgerald with the Cardinals. It is Kobe Bryant with the Lakers. They didn't bounce around. They didn't get sign a free agent contract. They didn't get traded. Cranberries are Thanksgiving only. And I respect that. If you don't like cranberries, I'm not asking you to. It's a very tart thing. But you got to respect the cranberries. I also like their, uh, their song, Zombie, but that's a different type of cranberries. Uh, I don't do the things in the can. I would if it's in front of me with the little ridges on it and everything. My mom made great cranberries with real cranberries and like, you know, cinnamon and sugar. It tastes great. I'm going to smash some tomorrow. I hope you do too. And if you don't like them, you eat whatever you want. Remember, in this world of everything is listed and everything is hated and every Thanksgiving thing is slammed into some sort of greater than meme or top 10 listing, eat whatever the hell you want. If you want to get a plate and put six dinner rolls on and have a scotch, have six dinner rolls and a scotch. It's your Thanksgiving. You can take whatever you want, and that's what's to be thankful for. Guys, I will see you Sunday night, recapping the entire week, the Thursday games, the Sunday games. Uh, very thankful that you guys are here watching, listening. Love you. Miss you from the basement. See you Sunday night. Thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving.